this episode, we talk about moral relativism, what that ideology is, and how it is detrimental to our nation. We also talk about how Americans have stopped caring about truth and why that is leading to so many of our problems today. My name is Jacqueline, and I'm just an American. Truth matters. Even in 2021 America, where everything is controversial, this is a statement that most people I think would still agree with. Truth matters, facts matter, and as we are told constantly, science matters. But what exactly is truth? And why do we have such a hard time discerning what is true and what isn't? This is my worldview, pretty much wrapped up in a nutshell. I believe that there is an objective, universal truth about the world we live in. This is true in two ways. It's true in the physical and scientific world, and it's also true in the world of morality and decency. I will say that again. I believe that there is a universal, objective, unchanging truth about right versus wrong, moral versus immoral behavior. I also believe that one of our purposes on this earth, both on the individual level and also as a civilization, is to discover what that truth is. We do this when we discover cures for diseases. We do this when we discover information about other planets in our solar system. And we do this on a moral level when we as a society recognize that slavery is wrong and should be abolished or that young women should be protected from being given away as child brides. We hope to always be improving our understanding of how the world works as well as what is the right and the wrong way to live. And this is where we start to lose some people. This is where the moral relativists start raising their objections. I've spoken about moral relativism before, but right now I want to dig into what it really is and the flaws in this philosophy because I truly believe it is a big part of why our nation is where it is today. There are many people in our country that simply do not believe in the idea of objective, universal standards of morality. Most often, these are the atheists of our society, which actually makes complete logical sense. If there is a universal moral code about right and wrong, then the next logical question is to ask, who sets that code? I would even go so far as to say that moral relativism is the only ideology that is logically consistent with atheism. For me as a Christian, the answer to who sets the code, who sets the law about morality is simple. It's God, the creator of the universe. God is the one who sets the code for right and wrong, immoral and moral behavior. But what happens when you don't believe in a God? The answer has to lie somewhere else. For some, they say the code is set by societies. If most people in a society think that something is immoral, then it must be. So for instance, today, most people believe that things like rape and child molestation are evil and wrong, and therefore they must be. But this argument falls apart at the most shallow prodding. If that is the case, then back at the foundation of our country, slavery actually wouldn't be considered wrong or immoral since most people, particularly in the southern part of America, thought it was a perfectly acceptable thing to do. In fact, for most of human history, slavery was practiced in one form or another all over the world. I don't think there are very many people, including moral relativists, who would make the claim that at the time, slavery was a perfectly moral thing to do simply because the majority of people condoned it. 
Or what about a place like Nazi Germany? The Germans elected Hitler to power and stood back and watched and even supported the idea of rounding up the Jews and depriving them of their homes, their businesses, their possessions, and ultimately their lives. And yet, would we make the argument that because society at the time accepted that, that that made it moral? Of course not. Genocide and slavery are wrong and immoral, even if throughout human history they've been widely accepted and practiced. Some people say that morality is subjective down to the individual level, that everyone has their own standards of right and wrong, and that the way we function as a society is to just take what the majority feels and make it the law. The majority feel that rape is wrong, and so we make it illegal, but really whether or not anything is immoral is up to an individual. Now, this philosophy falls apart pretty quickly, too. After all, if this is your worldview, then you really can't condemn anyone or anything. You can't condemn people who do, quote unquote, wrong things because there really is no such thing as right and wrong. It's all just personal opinion. And of course, none of these people actually adhere to that. Let me give an example of something that we see every day. People who are on this side of society, the atheist, moral relativist, and even just leftist progressive side of society will often criticize Christians over the stance that homosexuality is a sin. Moral relativists would say it may be a sin to you, but it isn't to others. And therefore, people must be free to make those choices. Okay, that's fine. Except they will still criticize Christians for that stance. They do want to make it illegal for a Christian bakery or wedding photographer to refuse to participate in an LGBT wedding. Why? Because in their view, it is discrimination, and discrimination is wrong. But if they are following their own ideals, then right and wrong is subjective to the individual. So who are they to say discrimination is wrong? Who are you to say racism is wrong, or even something as atrocious as child molestation? If you think this is far-fetched, keep in mind that there are people in the world working to make the argument that attraction to children should be classified as a sexual orientation. These people don't really believe that there is no such thing as right and wrong, that it is all subjective. They simply believe that their ideas of right and wrong are the correct ones. It is the ultimate idol worshiping, replacing themselves for God, where they are the arbiters of right and wrong. Here's what it all boils down to. If there is no objective universal moral code, then you as an individual cannot criticize anything as being wrong or immoral, because everyone gets to decide that for themselves. But if there is anything in this world anything at all that you believe is fundamentally, unarguably immoral or wrong, then you are admitting that there is some type of objective, unchanging moral code. And if that is the truth, who decides what that is? The only answer that makes logical sense must be some type of God. For generations now, People in America have been taught the ideas of moral relativism, and they have really taken root. After all, it is quite an appealing ideology. If you get to make up your own rules and standards of morality to live by, who wouldn't want to be able to do that? As a person of faith, I don't have that ability. There is a moral code given to me through scripture that I have to adhere to whether I want to or not if I want to live a moral life according to the Christian faith. If I were in an unhappy marriage, for example, and fell in love with someone else, according to my faith, it would be wrong for me to have an affair on my spouse, period. It wouldn't matter that I try to justify it by saying that my marriage is unhappy or even if my spouse committed adultery first. If adultery is wrong, then it is wrong no matter how much I try to justify it. But what if I don't believe in God or scripture? Then who is to say it's wrong? 
you could adopt the philosophy that it is perfectly right. And who is to say otherwise? After all, it's all subjective. Now, at this point, I need to issue a disclaimer, and it's one that all people of faith have to issue when we are having this conversation. I am not saying, and let me be perfectly clear on this, I am not saying that faith alone is an indicator of a good person or not. I am not saying that people who do not believe in God or who even adhere to moral relativism cannot be good people or are not good people. There are people who are moral relativists who are really good people. And there are people of faith who are really bad people because that is based on their choices and their actions. What I am talking about in this conversation is simply about the philosophy and why the ideology behind these life philosophies lead us to where they lead us. So moral relativism is an attractive philosophy, and it has taken hold in our society over the last few generations, especially as our society moves more away from God. Now, we hear this all the time. We hear people of faith say this, right? It, our society is moving away from God, and the more it moves away from God, the more things seem to unravel and go downhill. And people who are not people of faith, they think that when we say things like that, that what we're talking about is just, you know, how we're not happy because people aren't worshiping the God that we choose to worship or that they're not living their lives the way we choose to worship it. But that is not actually the case. It goes so much deeper than that. The reason that people say that, the reason that people make the argument that as our society moves more away from God, the more it unravels is because as our society moves more away from God, the more it moves towards moral relativism, the more it moves towards this idea that there is no such thing as universal truth and universal codes and universal objective ideas about what is right and what is wrong. And as we move away from that in the, the realm of talking about morality and decency, the more people are going to start making up their own rules and the more society is going to start to fall apart. It's interesting because I have even spoken with people in my life who consider themselves moral relativists who are shocked to discover, like genuinely shocked to discover that I believe in a universal morality because that idea is so foreign to those who have never been exposed to any form of religious teaching. But the truth is, I believe, that moral relativity is all a lie. To say that there really is no objective universal code of right and wrong is a lie. And when a society believes a lie, it is a very dangerous thing. Now, we are moving into a new realm. One in which people are deciding that relativism shouldn't be confined to the area of morality. But it should also apply to the other truth that we as humans seek to discover. Truths about the physical world. If we walk outside right now and I point to a tree and I say, this is a tree, there isn't anyone on planet Earth that is of sound mind who would disagree with that or think it is a controversial statement. If they did, it would be problematic. If this person said, that is not a tree, it is an elephant, it would create some issues. And if that person claiming it was an elephant started gathering followers who made that same argument, the people who say it is a tree are going to either start to get upset or start to feel pretty crazy. Facts are real things. Scientific facts and medical facts are real things. Now, if someone on the left in America heard me say these things, they would instantly point to the supposed insanity of Trump supporters and right wingers. They would say, exactly, exactly. Truth matters and science matters and medicine matters. And yet look at all these people on the right in America who deny all of that. They have lost their minds. But here is the problem with that. The left in America today is dominated by lies. There are two types of lies that leftists tell. 
minor everyday lies about things that happen in the state of events, and major lies about basic life facts. So let's talk about some of these lies. And I'm going to start by talking about the big ones. So leftists in America have fully embraced and adopted the transgender movement with open arms. It is now highly controversial in America to say that people cannot actually choose their biological sex and magically or even surgically become that. And it is highly controversial to state that there are any differences at all between men and women. Even putting aside the obvious and direct contradiction of these two sentences, they are simply not true. When Bruce Jenner changed his name to Caitlyn, even before any surgery was done, I was told that she was now a woman exactly the same as I was. That she was a woman just like I was in every way. This is a lie. Based on science, this is a lie. We have scientific, objective criteria for determining if any creature on earth is male or female. But because of the transgender movement, we are supposed to ignore that science in order to spare people's feelings. Anyone who has children of opposite sexes can tell you that there is absolutely a difference, a basic biological difference between boys and girls. Anybody who is married to someone of the opposite sex can tell you that there is actual significant differences between men and women. Science, medicine, tell us that things like size, strength, and muscle mass are absolutely, irrefutably different between men and women. And yet, according to leftists, there is nothing wrong with a biological male competing against biological women in female sports. They say that there is absolutely nothing unfair about that. And if you think that there is something unfair about that, then you are simply a bigot. And that is the only reason why you could think that is because you are transphobic. These are lies, according to science, according to medicine, and according to what we can see with our own eyes. Let's take another hot button one. Let's talk about abortion. Now, whether you are for it or against it, we should all be able to agree on the basic set of scientifically and medically proven facts. The fetus in the womb is a human being, and it is very much alive. If it is alive, then abortion must be the killing of it. And yet, how many people in my life, because I have talked to a lot of people on the issue of abortion, and how many people I have talked to who vehemently and passionately argue that the fetus is not in fact alive. Many even go so far as to claim that it is not human. This is against all science. There is a very viral clip that was going around from CNN where there is a guest that says that when a woman is pregnant, it is not a living human being that she is pregnant with. And the host never challenges her on that scientifically inaccurate claim. Again, you are entitled to your opinion on whether or not it is acceptable to use the killing of a fetus as a method of birth control. But to deny that it is, in fact, the killing of a living human being is simply anti-science and anti-medicine. Here is another lie that they are now running with. And it is one that I talked about on the last episode of this podcast. Obesity is healthy. According to science, it is not. What does healthy even mean as a word in our society? If a lifestyle choice that increases your risk of numerous potentially deadly diseases is healthy, that is another lie. It is, there's just no way around it. Here's another lie. That socialism has never really been tried. It has Okay, it has. It has absolutely been tried and it has failed in every single place that it has been tried and it has failed miserably. Every person who walks around with that phrase socialism, real socialism has never actually been tried on their lips. You might as well wear a T-shirt that says I've never read a history book in my entire life. It is unbelievable. Here's another lie. 
Another lie is that the Scandinavian countries are the type of socialism that we're looking for. You know, we're not looking for Venezuela or Cuba. We're looking at countries like Denmark and countries like Sweden. Those are the kinds of countries that we are looking for. I actually did an entire podcast episode a while back where I thoroughly debunk this entire claim. But the reality is, is that they are not socialist countries. Their, their presidents and their leaders actually come out and tell, have told American politicians, please stop calling us socialist countries because we are not socialist countries. And many of the policies that the likes of Bernie Sanders and AOC want passed in America are not in practice in those countries. Things like taxing businesses to death or universal basic income. These are some of the big lies that the left tells on a regular basis. But let's also take a look at some of the smaller daily lies they have told. It is a lie that Donald Trump colluded with Russia to interfere with and win the 2016 presidential election. A two-year investigation led to zero evidence of this. And yet there are people on the left who still, to this day, repeat this lie. It is a lie that Donald Trump built cages and created a policy to separate kids from their parents and put them in those cages at the border. That was not Donald Trump that did that. That was President Barack Obama. It, there was even a controversy when this story first broke under the Trump administration because there was a photo that was being circulated by American media of these kids in said cages. And they were blaming Trump, blaming Trump when that photo was actually taken in 2014 under the Obama administration. I remember one time I was having a conversation with somebody I know who is on the left and she brought up the fact that it's so disgusting, this policy to put, you know, put these kids in these cages and it's so terrible. And Donald Trump is so terrible for doing this. And I said, were you this outraged when Obama was doing it? And she had a deer in the headlights look. She had no idea that this was a policy that was instituted by the Obama administration because our media lies every single day. Here's another lie. Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, was shot by a white police officer while he had his hands up saying, please don't shoot me. That was a lie. It was a lie that was repeated to death by the media. But it was a lie. In fact, you don't have to take my word for it because the Barack Obama Justice Department are the ones who came out and said that never happened. Michael Brown died while he was viciously attacking and beating up a police officer while trying to grab his gun. That is how Michael Brown died. And yet every year on the anniversary of the of the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, we have to hear this lie that he was shot by a white police officer while he said, hands up, don't shoot. Here's another lie. Jacob Blake. Okay, we remember Jacob Blake. He was actually, this was a controversial case from right just a few months ago in 2020. Okay, the lie they the media said, Jacob Blake was unarmed when he was shot by cops. Nope, he wasn't. In fact, the Washington Post had to issue a correction just a couple of weeks ago that he was, in fact, armed with a knife when he was shot. Another lie. Nick Sandman, teenager who had a MAGA hat on, was disrespectful and abusive to an elderly Native American gentleman in a racist manner. That was a lie. Never happened. Full, when the full video came out, it showed a completely different story. And the media, different media companies are paying quite heavily for that lie. Here's another lie that we have been hearing a lot recently, that Democrats in power did not actually excuse, justify, and even celebrate and condone the violent riots that took place in this country all summer long. 
Matt Walsh, who has his own podcast, he did a very excellent episode uh, last week where he went through and played all of the Democratic politicians and comedians and late night hosts and celebrities and media figures, people like AOC, people like Chris Cuomo, people like Trevor Noah, who all justified and even celebrated the riots that took place all summer long. And yet last week we were told that, no, that never happened. Here's another lie. The mass protests of all summer did not contribute to a spike in COVID. Remember when we were told that? Oh, no, there was the spike in COVID that came three weeks after that. That was because of Memorial Day. That had nothing to do. That had nothing to do with all of the riots that took place and all of the protests that took place across the country every day. But all those right wing protests, all of those right wingers who got together to try and, you know, tell the government they wanted businesses to be allowed to open all of those people. Oh, no, those were those people definitely led to an increase in COVID cases. I could literally go on all day long. Go look it up. Every single thing that I just said is something that the media or Democratic politicians or somebody on the left perpetuated as a lie to the American people. So here is the problem that we face. We have created a country where truth literally does not matter anymore. Words no longer have meaning. Facts and science are politicized. And if you call out these lies or point out the truth, you are viciously attacked as anti-science or transphobic or bigoted or racist or hateful in some other way. Now, people say that it matters greatly for the president of the United States to tell the truth. And I completely agree with that. Absolutely. 100%. But the president of the United States is not the only person in this country with power. Not by a long shot. The media, other politicians, social media companies, these people are incredibly powerful. They control the culture, okay? And politics is downstream from culture. And they lie to you every single day. And those lies absolutely have consequences. The problem we face in our country today is that we no longer have any standard for truth, not just on morality, but on the physical world as well. We hear it all the time in in the popular phrase, speak your truth. Right. You hear that all the time. It's supposed to be uplifting and powerful. Speak your truth. Well, guess what? There is no such thing as your truth. There is truth. And then there is opinion on the truth. You are entitled to an opinion about whether or not you enjoy rainy days, for example. But you are not entitled to say that it is not raining outside when water is pouring from the sky simply because that is what you want or what you feel. The reason why conservatives in America are angry, disappointed, and disillusioned today is because the lies seem to be winning. And I can recognize that when Trump won the election, that is exactly how leftists felt. They felt like Trump lies, and people bought those lies, and he won, and the Republicans won, and they lie, and now, you know, so I get it. I get it. They feel, That's how they feel. That's how we feel now. But for all the accusations that right-wingers don't care about truth or science or facts— These accusations are coming from people who believe and spout lies every single day. Leftists wonder why conservatives are not listening to them, why they are not ignoring the constant cries of racism, sexism, bigots, homophobic, xenophobic, all these things to believe the things that they say. But they ignore all the blatant lies that come from their own party. Leftists wonder why conservatives are not jumping to be united because now we all have to be united with them. Okay, now that they are in power after four years of conservatives being called Nazis and white supremacists because we dare to point out the facts of situations that contradict the narrative. Facts that at the end of the day prove to be the truth 
They wonder why we balk at Joe Biden's calls for unity when his response to the Capitol Hill situation was to call Capitol Hill police officers racist, because that is exactly what he did when he said the situation would have been different if the rioters were BLM. Leftists wonder why conservatives aren't succumbing to the constant bullying and attempts to silence us. They wonder why that bullying isn't working to cause us to abandon all our fundamental beliefs. And leftists wonder why they have zero credibility after years of nonstop lies to the American people. Now, I know what people are going to say. They're going to say, this is whataboutism. Why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about all of the lies from the left? And why am I not talking about the lies? Why am I not going into the lies or talking about the situation that was perpetuated by Trump supporters and right wingers? Because that is the news story right now. And I'm just trying to distract by talking about leftist lies. Okay, that is I know what people are going to say. Well, here is the reason why I am talking about this today. Do I think that right-wing politicians lie? Yes, I do. I absolutely do. I think that all politicians lie. I think that all people in power lie. And I think that unfortunately, that is a part of the dynamic that to get to a position of power in America or anywhere, really, you pretty much have to lie at least sometimes. And here's the truth. All of us as human beings lie, right? It's just a part of the human condition. But here's the fundamental and important aspect of this. The media calls out right-wing lies non-stop. If Donald Trump said something that in any way could be shown to have an element of untruth in it, they were all over him. If any conservative politician or actor or comedian says anything untrue, the media calls it out. And you know what? I think that's great. I think that if anybody says something that is a lie, that is untrue, that is not backed up by evidence, I do believe that they should be called out by it. That is actually not the problem that conservatives have. The problem that conservatives have is that they don't call it out when it comes from the left. That type of hypocrisy, that type of double standard simply cannot stand. People will not accept it. And let's be real, the people in this country, and I say this all the time, the people in this country who have the power, okay, the people who have the platforms and who have the voices are heavily, almost exclusively dominated by leftists. People aren't going to ignore their lying eyes and abandon their values because the people in power demand they do so. And the more those people are suppressed, the more the people... Of, of America, the more the average everyday people are suppressed and their voices are suppressed and people in power try to bully us into silence, the more the temperature in the country will go up. That is just a fact. That is not what I want to happen. That is not what I think should happen or I'm not advocating for that to happen. That is just the reality of what does happen and what is happening. All of these lies have truly turned our society toxic. We are living in a toxic environment right now. And you can see it in the levels of depression and anxiety that everyone seems to be in. I know several people from both the left and the right who have all but gotten off their social media accounts over the last week because the level of toxicity there is so insanely high. But if you see this and you blame Donald Trump for this toxicity, you're blind. One man is not powerful enough, not even the president of the United States, to create this environment that we're living in. This is a culmination of nonstop lies and gaslighting by our political class, our celebrity class, and our media class. 
unless and until we as a people can return to the place of truly seeking and valuing truth, we will be a country adrift. Until, unless and until we come to a place where we can even acknowledge that truth is something that exists, that universal objective standards of truth and right and wrong exist in the first place. The more we, we are heading in the opposite direction of that. We are like a bullet train going in the complete opposite direction of that, going further and further towards the idea that there is no such thing as truth. There is no such thing as facts. It is all just subjective and what we want it to be. And the more that we travel in that direction, the more we are going to fall apart. Unless and until we as a people are willing to stare truth in the face, even if that truth goes against our preferred political party or people we like, we will be a country floundering. Truth matters. It is time that we as Americans start acting that way. We are going to start a new tradition on the podcast of answering three listener questions each episode. If you have a question, you can email the show at jj at imjustanamerican.com. You can also visit our Locals member page at imjustanamerican.locals.com and submit questions there. Okay, so question number one comes from someone with a username Woolerts. Question says, if moral relativism is assumed to be true, then what should the moral code of a nation consisting of constantly changing minority cultures be? For example, the United States constantly has people of all different cultures and moral codes immigrating in and out of it. Can we say that there is a correct moral code of the U.S. and that it's a combination of all the minority moral codes? So the thing that's interesting about this question is he starts off by saying, if moral relativism is assumed to be true, then what should the moral code of a nation be, basically? And the thing is, is that's an excellent question. Because what you're looking at is this idea that moral relativism, if it is true, then there is no objective code. And that is the ultimate question. If moral relativism is true, then how do we decide what the moral code of a nation is? Should there be a moral code of a nation? I mean, there has to be some sort of code. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to determine what should be illegal and what shouldn't be. I mean, just taking murder, for example, if there is no moral code of a nation, then murder would not be able to be illegal. But of course, the vast majority of people want murder to be illegal. But as I talked about a lot in this episode, there is a lot of danger and it's quite a dangerous path to go down to say that majority rule dictates morality. That is a very dangerous path to go down. That is the path that go that says that slavery is moral as long as the majority of people are okay with it. That That's not a path that we want to go down. If you want to see the dangers of majority rule, pure majority rule, pure democracy, um, I recommend studying up on and reading about the differences between the United States Revolution when we broke away from England versus the French Revolution. And I do believe that, the, aside from many other factors, but the idea of pure majority rule coupled with a lack of any emphasis on God whatsoever. In fact, the French Revolution, they completely removed God from the picture. Um, That led to that revolution being so violent and bloody, whereas in the United States, things looked very different. Now, the United States, it says, you know, we, we are a nation of lots of different people. And I think that that is really important to pay attention to. We are relatively unique in the fact that we are not a nation of people held together by a an ethnicity or even by a religion. We are a people who are held together by a creed. We are considered a creedal nation. And so there are certain ideas and ideologies that 
are standards in the United States of America. And if you come and you live here, you are expected to abide by that kind of a code. So things like appreciating and valuing free speech and tolerating free speech, tolerating the fact that people who live in your society are going to say things that you disagree with. They're going to practice religions that you may not like. They're going to have beliefs that you don't agree with or criticize the government or criticize you or your faith. And we have a culture of tolerance in this country, or we did for a long time, where we valued free speech even if people disagreed. We value life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so I do think that there are moral codes that do apply in the United States. And you can kind of see those in our constitution. I think another part of it is the fact that we need to recognize and remember that we are a Judeo-Christian country. People take that and they just interpret that so wrong. They think that that means that everybody in America should be you know, Jewish or Christian or abide by that faith or practice that faith or abide by the ideas of that faith. That's not what that means. What it means is that when you look at our founders, when you look at the philosophies that our founders used to write our Declaration of Independence and write our Constitution, it was very much based on true Judeo-Christian ideas. The founders believed that human beings have certain rights, okay, unalienable rights that are given to us, not by government, but by our creator. And that the role of government is to protect those rights for the citizens, but it is not the role of government to give or take away those rights. That is something that the founders absolutely believed. That is something that was a basis for our founding documents. And so that is another idea of the moral code that should apply in the United States of America. So, yes, I do think that there is a correct moral code of the U.S., but really it kind of goes back to my assertion that I do believe that our role, both as individuals and as civilizations in this world, is to discover truth and to discover what the truth is, both in the war, in the physical world and also in the moral world. And I do believe that ideas that we hold as um, kind of cornerstones in our society, particularly the idea of free speech and the free exchange of ideas, that is fundamental to us as human beings being able to discover what is truth in the physical world and in the world of morality. And so that is my thought on that. All right. Question number two comes from someone who would like to remain anonymous. Do you see moral relativism as endemic in America today? Well, if by endemic you mean unique to America, no, I don't. I think that all Western countries, I think Europe is huge on moral relativism. I think that Canada is huge on moral relativism. I think that it is very prevalent in Western society. I think that in America, it is definitely something that is becoming more and more prevalent every single generation that goes by. As I mentioned, I have actually spoken to people who were shocked to find out that I believed that morality was objective, that there was an objective moral code. They just absolutely had never heard that before and could not believe it because it was so ingrained in them that it was subjective. So I do think it is something that is very widespread. I think that it is misguided. And I think that it is true that the more we go down that path, the more we see um, ourselves falling apart and the more we see different aspects of society falling apart. All right. Question number three comes from Kirsten. Do you think the Constitution has been amended for the sake 
of moral relativism. I don't think the Constitution has been amended for the sake of moral relativism, but I do believe that the Supreme Court has interpreted the Constitution and twisted the Constitution for the sake of moral relativism. Um, When you look at Roe v. Wade, for instance, where the Supreme Court decided that the Constitution guaranteed a woman's right to have an abortion, that is just ridiculous. I mean, there is no right to to abortion anywhere in the Constitution. And what they did was they read in the Fourth Amendment that there was a right to privacy, which it doesn't even say that we have a right to privacy. Those words are not actually in the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. But they took the what the what the Fourth Amendment said and they interpreted it as that means we have a right to privacy. And then they interpreted that as the freedom to have an abortion falls under the right to privacy. So I don't believe that the Constitution itself, as it stands right now, has been amended for the sake of moral relativism. But I do believe that the way that the Supreme Court of the United States has twisted it and turned things and really, in a very convoluted manner, has passed certain laws, really, which is not the role of the Supreme Court, but has passed certain laws that has absolutely twisted around the interpretation of the Constitution for that purpose. I think that when we look at amendments that are added to the Constitution, things, um, for example, when they added the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote, I don't think that that is in the frame of moral relativism. I think that that is in the frame of human beings discovering moral truths. So I, when I say that as human beings, we are in the constantly in the process of discovering the truth about morality. I mean, I think it, it's it's very, you can look at it very similarly if you want to compare it to the discoveries that we have made in the physical world. So there was a point in time in which people believed that the earth was flat because that was what the information that they had at the time indicated to them. And as we advanced in technology and as we discovered more truths about the world around us, we discovered that no, in fact, the world is not flat. It is round. No, in fact, the world is not the center of the solar system. We revolve around the sun. In the same way, I do believe that we have discovered over the course of human history of humanity that we have discovered moral truths we have discovered things as i mentioned earlier like that slavery is wrong and it should be abolished in the beginning days of america women didn't have the right to vote and we through discovery and through you know just the exchange of ideas have discovered that you know that was not something that was right that was not something we believe is right and so we added a, an amendment to the constitution to change that. So I do believe like we, we are able to make changes in how we view things that are moral or immoral. When I say that I believe that there is an objective moral truth that is unchanging, I am not saying that I know what that moral truth is. hundred percent. I'm not saying that. I am not saying that anybody or any civilization knows what that moral truth is. I think that it is part of our journey as human beings to work to discover what those moral truths are in the same way we work to discover what the physical truths and realities of our world are. So it is an ongoing process. It is something that is ever changing. And that is, again, why when it comes to free speech, I am a free speech fundamentalist. This is how we discovered those truths. We discovered those truths by having conversations. We discovered those truths by by 
reading about history and about theology and about, you know, different religions and different faiths and different belief systems that have existed across humanity and kind of comparing them and talking about them and the exchange of ideas. This is all a part of how we discover what the truths are in the world, both in the physical realm and also in the moral realm. Thank you for taking a moment out of your day to talk about moral relativism and the importance of truth. I will be back next week with another deep dive into issues affecting American life from the perspective of just an American. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps each and every week. Also, please share this episode with a family member or a friend so we can help spread the word. You can follow me on Twitter at JJNAmerican. You can also message the show by sending an email to JJ at I'mJustAnAmerican.com or visiting our Locals page at I'mJustAnAmerican.Locals.com. You can also follow the show on Instagram at I'mJustAnAmerican. This episode was produced and edited by Brian White. Music for this episode was written and performed by Michael Beatty.